I do want to get into our message fairly quickly. As in typical fashion for me, I don't go too long before we start a sermon series. And so we are starting one today. And I want to open this by saying that this is in, in part, especially this first message, uh, you know, some of us that grew up in especially Pentecostal uh, denomination, we kind of will hoop and holler when it comes to the toe stepping messages. You know what those are, right? You wear your steel toed boots because you're going to get your toes stepped on, right? And uh, I, I probably shouldn't tell you that in the beginning because now you'll be on edge. But I'm going to tell you something about this. When this building project was getting ready to start, Pastor Jonathan Watson, who is lead pastor of Bella Vista Assembly of God, has been there uh, over a decade, probably 13, 15 years, somewhere around there. Uh, he's seen the church grow and diversify into different age groups from a retirement church, retirement age church. Um, he, he's a great expositor of God's word. And he gifted me with two years of his best sermons. And he said, you can make them your own. He said, this is a big deal to me, but I know during the building project, you may need to lean on these. And honestly, I haven't done that too much, but this sermon series, the reason I'm telling you that it's his, and I've taken and just tailored a little bit, is because there are things in this message that when I realized I was preaching this now, I've had recent conversations with people who will think I'm talking to you. You'll think that I'm preaching at you. And I want to assure you, before the Lord here, I did not plan this message with you in mind. Okay? But I am certain that God has given me this message, all right? I, I'm talking that this happens to me sometimes. Specific conversations where there's an example in the message that it's like that person's going to think, I am using them for my message. I'm not. But I feel, I feel, feel convicted that God wants to set us free of some things in this church. And I believe other churches, but this is what we have charge over is New Song. And God wants to set some, some captives free. And so I need you to stay engaged and stay with me. Because the Lord has truly put a burden on my heart for you, for this church. And whether you're at New Song or any other church, the things that we're going to talk about today will do you well in your relationship with the Lord to take heed to them. So I'm going to tell you that as I read through this, I realize past conversations I've had with my pastors before I was a pastor, the, I, I started, it started lighting up for me. This is why I would see frustration at times and they're, and they're trying to lead the people. It's, it's what I see sometimes when I read about Moses and the children of Israel. These are very elemental um, things to, to what God intends for us in, in leading his people. The title of the series is Help. Help. I love on the computer when you look up the top, you've got, you know, your files, you've got your, you know, view or, or attachments or whatever you got. And then there's always this like help, right? That just covers everything else, right? You get to the help and that's everything else. Our main text is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 16. The title of this specific message in this series called Help is I Feel Useless. How many have ever felt useless? You know, it, it's a debilitating feeling, really. Because when you feel useless, there's many times there's things you can do, but you just won't do them because you're feeling useless in general. I may feel useless at my job, and I come home, and I'm useless at home because I feel useless in my job. I remember when I started working for Walmart corporate office, and I got promoted to salary, which was just another way of saying we're going to get more out of you for the same money. But um, I went over to CMI, handling insurance claims, and it was numbers-driven, I had been told it was a tough environment. And as a grown man, I remember being there like 12 and 16-hour days going home and almost crying myself to sleep. I'm losing my job. I'm going to lose my job. Jen remembers. And then she went to work there after I warned her not to, and then she excelled, uh, which did not help our um, already competitive nature of our marriage. 
We were fighting to see he was going to be the breadwinner the whole time. She'd get a raise and I'd try to beat her. <laughs> she made it seem like a cakewalk, doing actually a harder job than I was doing. But this sermon series is designed to help us overcome the temptations of the enemy of our souls. And sometimes we have to overcome our own foolishness and selfishness. Now, hey, you know, careful. I'm not calling anybody a fool here or selfish. But will you at least believe with me that no matter how righteous we may think we are, no matter how accomplished in God's word or walking with him, we all fail at times and we need reminders that we still need God to be a success in his kingdom. We cannot do it without him. Otherwise, we're like filthy rags. So, so <clears throat> there's an acronym I want you to write down if you're taking notes so you can kind of remember through the series. And the word is HALT, H-A-L-T, HALT. And those, word, those uh, letters stand for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Now, for me, sometimes hungry and angry go together because if I wait too long to eat, I get hangry. So hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. There, there are key parts of this series where we'll see that we have to be careful. But in the natural world, there can be contributing factors why we feel useless. And it can be as simply as, is, are we tired? Are we lonely? Are we hungry? Are we angry? There aren't many worse feelings than being useless, though, feeling useless. It's a horrible, empty feeling. And maybe you're there today, wondering where you fit. You're wondering if there's a purpose for your life. Maybe you question if you have any worth at all. And I want you to know I'm glad you're here because I believe this one thing to my core is that God, when he ordains a church to be set in motion for his kingdom purpose, he has the people either already in place in that church with all the giftings needed to do all the things he wants to do in that church or he'll send them very quickly, but he will not leave his church in need. Where the church ends up in need is where people end up letting the enemy make them feel useless and helpless and so the church is handicapped, if you will, because not everyone is using their gifts and talents like the Lord intended them to use it. So, so that useless feeling is very much driven by the enemy. Today I have a specific agenda, and I'll be very upfront with you. I want to be honest with you about it right up front. My goal today is that every adult, every student, everyone within the sound of my voice who appreciates this church, calls this church, your home, that you love what God is doing here, every single person who calls New Song their home will, by the end of this message, I want to give you a compelling picture that you are called into ministry at this church. You may keep your job and be a layperson, but God has sent you here to be a part of the ministry of this church. There's not going to be anybody excluded from that. And I'm going to tell you because if I tried to give exception to this, I'd be trying to change God's word. Paul talks about this issue in Ephesians in chapter 4. This issue of that I can't believe, by the time this sermon's done, I want you to be able to say, I can't believe I've waited so long to engage my talents, gifts, and abilities in the life of this church. And Paul talks about the issue of this not happening in Ephesians chapter 4. And he says, he says that, that each person has a purpose. Now, if you are a part of this church family and not currently in ministry, there are basically a couple of reasons you aren't currently active. Number one, 
you didn't know we had needs. Now, I almost feel like I've been whining for a year and a half on the building project, so that wouldn't be a hard one for me to swallow. But I've learned an interesting thing about communication. People hear what they think they hear, not what actually was said. When I was at Walmart, my mentors told me, I, I was fortunate to get mentored up by people that normally you would get a mentor just over you, and I had a fortunate situation where I had some that had been at higher levels, and they had lived that walk to the top, that struggle to the top, and learned a lot. And they said, never put in written communication anything that is negative or neutral. If you do, it should have been done face-to-face -face and over the phone and then backed up with the in writing. It's already hard enough to put something in pos in positively in written communication without being read negatively neutral because people will read what they want to read. They'll hear what they want to hear. So communication is an interesting thing. So if you said, I'm not, I didn't know we had needs, my humanness, Belinda, would to get angry and say, are you kidding me? I feel like I've been on my knees, hands folded, begging, saying, we need you. But communication can be a tricky thing. So I'm going to do my best to clear that up for you. I don't want to give anybody any room to feel like we've neglected giving you the clear picture of what is needed in ministry at New Song. The second thing, if you're not involved in ministry, for whatever reason, uh, there's a reason that might be, is even though you appreciate this church, even though you are learning here, you're an American. Okay, I don't get it, Pastor. You're an American. Yes. How does that have to do with that? Well, being an American is all about being autonomous. I mean, I'm a patriot. I'm a veteran. I mean, we are free because of the blood of those who fought and died for our freedom. And so the goal is for us to be free of any kind of oppression, anything that would tell us how we have to live. We have freedom in this country. And so it is in our, our culture for us to feel like the goal is to always be autonomous. You know what that means? Autonomous. That means I am, a, I am almost an entity of myself. I have control over my space, my time, my future, my goals. The control is mine over me, my destiny, and my country facilitates me having that right. Having your freedom in every area. Your goal in life for most people, if I work hard enough, take advantage of opportunities. My brother-in-law who has worked up from his time of leaving India, coming here with a bedroll and a Bible, probably 30 years now i don't know how long he's been walmart 30 years he told me there's two keys to his success and i think they're grooming him probably for an executive role but he he said i always look for the things that need to be done and nobody else would do them and i did those things and i look for the things that added value to the company that nobody was doing and i did those things he said i always did those two things and i i was rewarded for it but our goal in life if i work hard enough if i do all that is needed take advantage of opportunities and manage my resources, one day I will be able to do exactly what I want to do whenever I want to do it. Isn't that what you're working towards? I mean, I spent eight years in the corporate world, and before that I worked plenty of jobs for different companies, and, and that always felt like it was it. When Pastor Jim was alive, I'd go to him all the time saying, hey, man, there's an opening on the wire, which was like the job postings at Walmart. And if I get this job with this much people responsibility, it's this much money, which means Jen and I can then get this kind of house, this kind of car, and the cycle would go on and on. And he'd have to hear that from me all the time. Man, if I could just get this pastor, think about the tithe money off of that. You know, you throw that in. Think about my tithe. People do that with pastors like, hey, you'll pray harder for me if you, if you hear about the tithe, right? <laughs> all right, yes, I pray all of you are like CEOs, all right? <laughs> no, 
that's not the point. The, the thing is, is that we're working. The goal at some point in your life is to be able to wake up each morning and ask this question. And I'm going to take a moment because I just want to be able to ask this question soon. What do I want to do today? I miss that question. What do I want to do today? It's Saturday. Hmm. <laughs> Boys and I used to, I've got pictures of them about this little with stocking caps sitting up at the, the bench seats at the donut shop watching them make donuts and us sitting there having coffee eating donuts on Saturday morning. I wasn't at the project at 7 a.m. on a Saturday and work until 10 o'clock at night. I wasn't doing that. What do I want to do today? My, my selfish nature, my innate belief in America and what we fight for is that I have that right and that is my space and nobody owns that. Anything I want. Fish. Now, Pastor Jonathan used to play golf. I think he plays golf. To me, I would rather be in a coma than play golf, but that's okay. <laughs> Why would anybody want to chase this little white ball all across these big open fields, having to bend over every time and set it and then hit it again and chase it again? Why would you want to do that? I can at least get basketball where someone takes it from you once in a while and you get it back, right? Somebody throws it to you. You do have to run a little. <laughs> Football, you got to bust your head against some guy to get the ball. That's, I, I don't understand. But anyway, shop, read, just stay in bed. I mean, that happens to a lot of people on Sundays, right? I have that right. I mean, I've gone to church almost all year, God, except for those other 10 times out of the, <laughs> out of the 52 weeks. And... I mean, it's a cold, rainy day, and, you know, I've got this ache in my bones, and it always happens because of weather, and then we go through the list. And you know what? I just stay home with Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets. That's, that's who I'll have church with. Right? The goal for most Americans is to be financially and relationally free. Then I can go do anything I want to do. I'm, I'm living the American dream. That's, that's in most of us, right? We might not say it the way, but we're trying to be independent. But you see, what God started giving my heart of that I realized for the church today is we aren't made to be islands of ourselves. We aren't made to forsake the assembling of ourselves. There's a danger in that. There's a danger for our children to not learn what it is to be a part of a vibrant body and to be plugged in and to be doing and working together in a body like God designed it. There's, there's a danger for us in that. So the problem with joining a ministry is now someone else has their claws in my time. Someone else has part of my time. And you know, I was really disheartened. I talked to someone that I've respected and loved who has been in several decades of ministry and now is out of ministry. And they said, you know, I never noticed until I started just being a person in the pew how much uh, us ministers, how much we just really expect of people. We always ask them to do something. I said, you know, I just want to be able to sit here. I want to just be able to sit there. I mean, I, I want to be able, I've already done all that stuff, and I want to just enjoy life. And I thought to myself, I'm like, this is, I'm trying to reason out because I, I can, I can kind of see, you know, I have parents that gave their life to ministry and, and they wore them out. I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't find that model in Scripture. I can't find the words. I, I can't find, I can't find the actionable plan that Jesus would give out for me to be able to reason it out and do it that way. I, I think what I see is that the main thing is the kingdom of God. We're aliens passing through, and all this job stuff and everything, like the tent making, was just to accomplish the job of building the kingdom through ministry. 
I mean, I remember being part of New Song and being at Walmart, and I remember when we were redoing this, this building here, and I remember getting off work and we'd come here. In fact, how I met Mayor Bill is Jen and I, we just failed an inspection and had a bad experience, I guess, with an inspector over it, and Pastor Roger was dealing that, and Jen and I were here kind of working by ourselves, do some cleaning to do our part, and this guy starts walking down the street with a suit coat and walks up and goes, what are you guys doing here? I said, oh, we're trying to get in our church, but we had a little problem with inspection, I guess, today, and, and he said, well, yeah, I... I don't know, and they might be being too hard on you about that. And all of a sudden moved, and it said, Mayor Bill. I was like, oh, Mayor, glad I didn't say anything negative. <laughs> you know? So, so I remember what it's like to have the kids, the job, want to spend time with family and do all those things, but you've got this thing going on that God has planned you in the middle that seems to always have this need for me to do something, right? I get that. I've been there. This is the difficulty of preaching the word on this topic because it puts me in the position of it seems self-satisfying to me as now my role is a, a paid minister, right? So the problem with joining a ministry is now someone else has their claws in my time. And my goal is for no one to tell me what to do as an American. I mean, now I have social media to put my foot in the sand and to declare to the whole world, you will not tell me what to do. I choose to come on Sundays uh, most, most weeks, but if I want to, I want to wake up and hit the snooze as many times as I want. I, I do whatever I want to do it. That's the goal, to live the way I want to. There's a third reason that might be, if you're not involved in ministry, that might have happened to you. It's, it might be that you've forgotten you are something else besides an American. You're a Christian. See, your Heavenly Father doesn't view you as the Lone Ranger an autonomous superhero who just does your own thing. Your heaven, heavenly father views you as part of a body, an individual member. His will and plan for your life involves more than autonomy or your personal success. In fact, what I found in my life, even before I was a pastor, is once I let go of the personal success and worried about kingdom stuff, I started getting promoted at work. It's like I couldn't do any wrong. Once I treated my life like it was all about ministry and work was to be able to function in ministry, to pay the bills so that I could do ministry, all of a sudden, my bosses liked me better. You know, when I was at, at CMI and I thought I was losing my job, I had a Holy Spirit moment where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go in and do my best, and I'm going to quit letting this get me down. I'm not going to cry myself sleep anymore as a grown man. I'm not going to do this. And the next day, I, my boss is like, as if I couldn't hear him, saying, you know, I think he's doing better. Nobody had reviewed my numbers. Nobody had looked at whether I was really doing better, but the perception was I was doing better because I come in and smile, sit down, how are you today? Oh, man, I tell him about God, what's he's doing in my life? And everything changed. Once I quit focusing on myself and being selfish and realized that God is in control and that he is the one, and which Pastor Jim told me before he died, promotion comes from the Lord. He's the one that controls that. When I got over myself, all of a sudden, it's like the heavens opened up. Your Heavenly Father views you as part of a body. An individual member, yes, of the body, but of a body. His will and plan for you involves more than your autonomy or your personal success. And your Heavenly Father defines success not just in terms of freedom, but in terms of involvement in a local body. When you hear me say that, your response may be, of course you say that. You're the preacher. It's your job to get us to work. 
I want to tell you that I've mentioned this before, but I thought I was a really great manager of people at Walmart until I became a preacher. And I found out what I thought was my success as a manager was really that Walmart paid them a paycheck, which didn't come out of my pocket. And so they were nice and smiling because they needed their job, right? And they'd do what I asked because they needed their job. But whether they really liked me as a leader or not, sometimes was whether you're afraid to really admit it on those, you know, those uh, the valuation, the surveys or the, the grassroots. I'm, I've been gone long enough now, I'm forgetting all those things. But, you know, those ones where you think if the manager's smart, you sit there and just smile and, and let them talk. You don't start prod and say, is there anything else? Anything else you'd like to say about my leadership? <laughs> I had a manager that did that, open a can of worms every time. I was like, you got to learn to be quiet. Just sit there. Let them say a few things, but you're putting ideas in their heads. <laughs> like, um, but anyway, a lot of times it was just the fear of, do I say anything, right? I don't really like why you do this, but do I say anything? But then all of a sudden, as a pastor, I'm like, you know what? We're not selling a product here. Thank goodness. You know, This is all about the spiritual things, but yet I'm in charge of motivating these people to do kingdom work when they've got full-time jobs, and this is really the leftover time that they have. And how do you do that? How do you get people to see the value in kingdom work when they've got so much of another life that by the time they get to you, you're trying to deal with the leftovers? I was like, Lord, you better help me because I'm going to fail miserably. I don't know how these other pastors do it, but I'm going to fail. If at the end of this sermon your response is, good try, but I'm not buying it. You're talking to everybody else because you don't understand my schedule, you don't understand my thing. If that's your response... And you say, I'll decide when I wake up on Sundays, I'm in control of my time. If that's your response, I have some good news for you, and I'm not upset with you. I'm just going to tell you, this is where I have to find my solace as a minister. The kingdom of God will go on. God is still on the throne, and the church will still continue to flourish. But my goal and love for you is that by the end of this message, you are convinced of two things. Number one, we would do it better with you on the team. We would do it better with you on the team. We would be a force to be reckoned with in, in, in this venture that God's done if we were really, truly a tight-knit team. I've seen it modeled in churches. And I get it, the small building and the lack of the parking and the kids' room that looks like a storage unit. I get it. All those things play into that, that, that thing we got going on in our culture where it's like, I'd buy in if this was just a better situation. I would buy in. Once they get in the new building, I'll buy in. That'll fix it for me. Once they get to having more programs, they got people in place and for my kids and my family, and they've got it together, then I'll be all in it. Just like if I went to the big church where they have big, exciting events, then I'll get in. Never mind the fact that there's a bunch of people at those events that all had to buy into that organization to get to that point. Never mind that. But I'll wait. I'll wait till they do it, and then I'll be a part of that. But see, the kingdom of God will go on. God is still on the throne. The church will continue to flourish. But it would be better with you on the team. And number two, you desperately need to be a part of what God has called you to be. He did not bring you to New Song to be a bystander. He didn't. If you get upset with me today and you go across the street to the Baptist church, whether they're preaching or not, the truth of his word is he would not call you there to be a bystander. Hit the doors of any Bible-believing church, and it's still the same thing from a scripture. He did not call you to be a bystander. You have an incredible opportunity. 
You see, what I've learned, what released in my life is how I even be got here to be a pastor. You know, the, you know some of the story I repeat too much. I was told you're supposed to be a pastor. I said no. But here's, here's where it really dives down to is the fact is I had to release my will into his and say, literally, our prayer was, Jen and I was, before we even knew all that, God, we're no longer going to put our needs before yours. When you want us to be in ministry and open the door, we'll go. If it's money, we know you'll pay for it. If it's an open door, we know you'll open it but we will step forward. We will not wait. And we had to commit to that. When the door opens, we're stepping. And God reminded us of that when Pastor Roger said, you're supposed to be a pastor. And we said, no. When we prayed, God said, remember what you prayed. Remember you said, when I open the door, you step forward. And we had to say, okay, God, we got it. We got it. One day we will give an account to our Heavenly Father for what we did with our freedom. Our discretionary time and resources. That day will come, and I want to say to my Heavenly Father, and I want you to be able to say, I did everything I could to leverage what you blessed me with for your kingdom's sake and not for mine. You see, I understand failing for him miserably because I've done it most of my life, and I've told my wife, I said, I have one thing at least from this building project that, that brings me a lot of peace is on my deathbed, I may have failed many times, I've not finished a lot of things, but I'm like, God, help me finish this so on my deathbed I can breathe easy saying, if anything else, God, one of the biggest tasks you gave me, I completed. And I hope I did it with excellence. And I want that for you. There is something about just knowing that you gave everything. You sacrificed everything for God that it's just, it frees your spirit. And then it begins to change those around you. It begins to do something for those around you. To do that, you have to view yourself as a member of a body, as pieces of a whole greater than the sum of the parts. God can do greater things when we work together. It's all part of his plan to impact the world. Paul wrote a letter to, uh, to the Christians in Ephesus. It was a fairly young church. They were still trying to figure out what everything meant and what they should do. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 16. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and, and Father of all, who is above all and all and through all and in you all. So Paul gives context for what he's about to say. Uh, here, here is biblically what he says. He says, there's a lot of one going on. You know what I mean by that? A lot of one going on. A lot of islands in of themselves. We're made up a bunch of one people. But God wants it to be one body. We've all got our own things going on. And we all are a one person who happens to come here and meet at a certain time, a certain place. But when we leave here, we have no other connection with everybody else that we came together with. And that's not what God intended. It's really not what he intended. And, and so, listen, this is where I was talking about the toe-stepping. I know this may hurt because you're like... But it's not that easy, Pastor CJ. You know, these people aren't reaching out to me either. Well, listen, then they're just as wrong as you are. But God is saying, this is what Paul is saying, that we are meant to be one body. There's a lot of one going on, but you are a part of one thing. You may be red, yellow, black, or white, but you are all different in many ways. But there is a oneness. You are placed into one body of Christ, and we have a lot in common. Verse 7, but you... But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
So some of us hear grace and we may think about praying about a meal. We hear grace and we think about salvation. But in this context, Paul is using this word grace to mean this. So as I get back to my place here. It, he's meaning it to mean divine enablement. When you become a Christian, each one of you was giving, given a specific divine enablement. What does that mean? That means things that you can do better than me. Things that you can do better than me. Some of you are gifted in areas, areas that simply amaze the rest of us. And you don't brag about it. One thing I'd love to see in our culture that I want to drive, especially in those that are in, in positions of teaching or whatever, is that we hold each other accountable. We don't start getting puffed up and taking credit where God deserves the credit. We realize that it's divine enablement, that he is set in motion. So, you know, it's like I've watched, you know, Nathan took my, my uh, computer today and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get my sermon on here and I struggled, thought it was an internet thing. I get here and Nathan's like, oh, well, your Dropbox is full and so yeah, I just, I'll go get it off the computer here and there, you know. I, I mean, I'm like, I don't understand how someone figures all this stuff out that quick, right? The older I get, the more challenging these things. I'm thankful for the younger guys that God has given insight into this, but, but some are, are amazing at things like cooking. You know, we have some great cooks in here and and we could downplay that, but the thing is, there's been times we would not have near the volunteers helping us build that church, including how many times the inmates came back. Because one thing they knew is, like, we eat good there. In fact, we can't even talk about when you go back to jail because the other crews would get mad. It might start a fight. <laughs> Some have tremendous organizational abilities, which I am in desperate need of, help with. God didn't gift you to do everything, just a couple of things. It's really amazing thought that 2,000 years ago, before personality tests, spiritual gift, inventories, God reveals to Paul, I didn't create everyone equal. See, in our day and time, everybody's projecting that we are all created equal. Well, yeah, one's not better than the other, but we were not created equal. God created us very unique and different with giftings. And he'll, he'll move some with giftings into one area, into one church, because he knows that's what they need. And so the church becomes severely disadvantaged when there's someone who's been sent there with a gifting and they refuse to step out and use it in faith. So the church as a whole suffers, the whole body. Why did your Savior divinely enable and gift you in a certain area? The temptation is to say, so I can make more money and be successful. And you know, when you harness your gift, you thrive. Some of you are gifted salespeople. You could sell ice to Eskimos. Some of you are gifted in teaching, and when you teach, people want to listen, and they are totally engaged. God gave you that gift. Some can organize anything, and some are incredibly generous. Some have beautiful singing voices, and why is that? Why did God wire you that way? We have to go back to the context and see that each is gifted individually, that our Heavenly Father has one plan, one purpose, one mission in this world, and for it to be accomplished, he uniquely gifted you and others to get that job done, and that's to win every soul that will come to know him as his Lord and Savior. God didn't give us our gifts for us just to build our own kingdoms, but advance his kingdom. And he himself gave some to be apostles, verse 11, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What's the difference between teachers, evangelists, and pastors? It's not a joke, you know. 
There's a pastor, a teacher, evangelist went hunting, and no, it's not a joke. What's the difference? It's divine enablement. It's, it's because it's not one greater than the other. It's that God called me to do this, and he's equipping me to be pastor, but some of you he might equip to be evangelists, some to be teachers, some to simply be the one that puts on every event that we do that reaches the lost. It's not a complete listing of everything that God has created as gifts. It's just saying that he has gifted you specifically for purpose. Now, what does Paul say the purpose is? Verse 12, look at this carefully. For the equipping of the saints, for what? For the work of ministry. He's equipping you for the work of ministry. He's not equipping you to get the promotion at work to build your way up a ladder. He's not equipping you for you to have the nicest yard and property in your neighborhood. He's not equipping you to to build your own kingdom, but to build his. And the church that the church that reaches our community is the one that gets that in order and says, you know what? God is first, everything else in my life is second. Today I'm trying to use my teaching gift to prod you to use your specific gifts. Not for your kingdom, not for mine, but for God's. Verse 12b, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? God is up to something in this world. What God did through the physical person of Jesus Christ when he was on this earth, if you will use your giftedness in tandem strategically, what you do together will affect what Jesus did on his own. What did Jesus do? Jesus showed up in this world and reflected the glory of God. Manifest. Manifested the love of God. And explained to the people what God was really like. That's what he wants from you. Is for people to see what God is really like. Here's the promise. We find this all through the New Testament. When you and I organize and use our gifts together, we as the body of Christ now can do this, do it, do in this world what Christ did on his own. We can't be like Christ completely perfected now. We can be like Christ, but we cannot be Christ in this world. We can be like Christ. So together, put together, in tandem, working together, we can be like Christ to those in this world. When Jesus left, he left on purpose. He said, as long as I'm here, it's just me. Listen, I almost took the scripture real literally recently. And I was very open and, and raw and honest in the first service. And I don't want to scare anybody. But I've had a couple moments on this project that said, you know what, I'm going to quit showing up. And we're going to see if people really believe this is their church or not. If things halt and they just don't get done, and the bank starts knocking and saying, hey, God didn't mean me to carry it on my own. And people keep preaching that at me. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to take that. I'm going to go home and sit. But that's not what God called me to do. See, his kingdom will go on. But listen, what happens to the rest of the body is they begin to suffer because of you're not engaging your gift. So someone carries your load plus theirs. And then they begin to possibly get discouraged because the enemy uses that and say, where's your brother or sister in Christ? Because I've had to answer hard questions sometimes from people in the community come in and say, where's your church folks? 
I'm like, you're just here on the wrong day. We have had big work days, and there's a lot of people that have showed up, but on a regular basis, they come, and like, where's your folks? And I'm like, well, they got jobs, so I go through all the excuses for you, you know? Got jobs. They got this. They got that. And this is where it gets real hard because you're going to think I'm coming at you, and I'm not. It's in love, saying, listen, whether you're here at New Song and it's building a building, or it's another church and it's a big community event they're doing, or whether it's a food pantry and another one, there's some things that are going to make you tick more than others. Maybe food pantry is your thing. Maybe this is your thing. But somewhere down the line, you have to come to the reality that if you get your priorities wrong, you will continually sit while others carry your load. And you hurt them. You do damage to them. This, this is where I, I know Nathan's going to, in his mind, he won't really he'll want to kick me in the seat after service. Because I talk a lot about him. Nathan's out there a lot, and you hear Nathan, you hear Nathan, you hear Nathan. And it'd be easy to say, well, Nathan is a single guy, and you know he doesn't have a family and right now, but he has people in his life. About the only time he cuts away from that is go to be with his grandparents on Friday nights. But he traveled out of the country last week for Walmart, long hours, and then they had food cart truck hit the plane, <laughs> caused him to get in real late Thursday, but he committed to being there Friday on his day off. And I kept saying, Nathan, you deserve a day off. You don't have to be here. And he came in and worked long hours and then came back and did it Saturday. And I say that these example is because it really comes down to whether I believe that I am an island of myself or I am part of a body. And Nathan has watched the long hours that some have put in and he said, you know what, I've got to, I've got to make myself part of that body. There's an example of the body used, and this may sound gross to use it, but if you severed a hand off the body and you bandage the body where the source is, of the, 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 the life source, you, you would see that body continue to go. It'd be, it'd be, in the world's terms, handicapped. But you come back to that hand, and that hand would eventually be decayed and dried and no longer functioning and eventually dust. And this is the example that God has given us for the body, is that what happens to your spiritual life is when you disengage from a body and you begin to, to, to separate. Yes, you can spend time with the Lord. Yes, you can His Word. And you can still have a relationship with Him. But you're disabling yourself and the body because something's dying. Something has died. It, it has no longer functioned as is intended to function. And so that is where we begin to see the church begin to uh, suffer and become anemic So I'm going to, Jesus says, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send another. I'm going to send my spirit. Because if I stay here, if I stay here, you'll always just let me do it. But I'm giving you the power to do greater things than I did. It's just, if I'm here, you'll always depend on me to do it. And wherever believers group up all over the world, I will be there with them. The closest you'll ever get to my physical presence Jesus would say, isn't, this isn't on your own. I'm with you, but I want you to do it together. I want to close with this. This, is, this series is not always going to be this heavy, okay? We kind of started off with the shotgun <laughs> blast, all right? And if, if it upset you in any way or you feel slighted, talk to me. Um, because my heart really is that you're not damaged by anything, but 
that you're encouraged to go forward. But I was talking to Nathan about this, and, and you know, one thing that happens when we feel useless, the enemy will lie to us and say it's because we either don't have the ability or we can't, can't do something. And I thought about some of the things that we're doing out there that people say, well, that's a Nathan job or that's a Pastor CJ job. And I realized, I started thinking about some things we're doing. Now, Nathan has experience with his grandpa building, and get it, and there's an aptitude there. I get that. But, but God used uh, experiences and put him in the right place to be able to get that. You have to start there to get that, right? You have to start somewhere where you don't know what you're doing, and God enables you. And so, you know, there's some difficult door hardware we're putting on. I'm thinking, you know, I tend to just say, well, that's Nathan's job, and I do it too. I'm like, I don't really want to get into that. But I realized Nathan started, and he studied, and he figured out, and he looked at the instructions, and and, you know, we had one that went wrong, and then we put it back, and then, you know, we worked through the difficulties, and the next thing you know, he's just clipping along, doing it. And I started thinking about how that applies to ministry in so many ways. Because it'd be easy for you to see a need in the church and say, you know what, I see that they keep saying they need help in kids' ministry. I see that we have a lot of kids and only a few workers, and they're not getting rotation. They're same people back there all the time, and, and they're having to come to early service just to get fed because they're always busy taking care of kids. And I could see that and say, well, but I raised my kids, or that's not really my place, or this or that. And we begin to excuse ourselves. And I'm starting to realize that the fact of the matter that you had that conversation in your head was probably the Holy Spirit trying to put the burden on your heart. That you need to be involved in that. Especially those times when nobody said anything recently and it comes up in your heart. I think what happens is we push back and it's kind of like those door sets, those hardware sets. We're like, well, I just, you know, that's not my area. But you know what? We've got an instruction manual. We can look in there and find out how to disciple, even the young of age. There's all kinds of people that have done it before that we could go to. There's churches around here with very uh, successful children's ministries. I could plug in with them and, and find out some things that, that they're doing that's really winning souls in the young kids. And I could, I could offer my time. I mean, I'm already there Sundays most of the time. Because what we've seen happen in the past and can happen again is those few people that are faithful and keep plugging away and doing it. Don't ask for recognition. You almost forget they're back there taking care of your kids. They get wearisome. And they start to, the enemy starts to attack them and say, you know what, nobody really cares what you're doing. They're just going to let you do it as long as you're here. Jesus' model was, I'll send you more to do greater things than I did. And we start taking the model, I'm an island myself, and that's somebody else. It's always somebody else. And then those somebody else's get tired of me get discouraged and they give up and they may filter to another church we've had that happen they kind of like you know it's too hard for me to come here and see the need and not do something about it, so i just gotta leave because i can't stand to see those kids not being ministered to but i can't do that anymore so i'm gonna go here and they get another church and for a little while they're like okay i'm just gonna sit and be refreshed and then god's prompt their heart and their sense of the holy spirit they get involved and unfortunately sometimes the next church something happens so what i'm telling you is this is not a new song thing this is a kingdom thing we have to realize our responsibility. God has given us souls to win. And listen, when you have 20 high school students from the high school coming over with their teacher just saying, can we help you build your church? Do you think God's opening bigger doors for us? Do you think when a whole fire truck full of firefighters who have no business to be at the building just says, hey man, we're just curious. Can we just come in and see the place? When most churches are struggling just to get people who don't go there to come through the doors and feel comfortable doing that and people are seeking out, wanting to come in and see what's going on, God is opening up a mission field for you right before your eyes. Will you take the challenge? Or will you let yourself be severed off and just take the chance of what's going to die? You might be fine, 
but the responsibility will still be on us before the kingdom of heaven, before our God, our creator, to answer for what we did with our resources and time. Did we let the enemy lie to us and say, you're useless? Or did we let what the enemy intended for bad, like I like to say, did we take those nails he tried to drive in our coffin and we chew them up and spit bullets right back at him? Do we sink our teeth in and say, God has given me a purpose. He has created me. He has, he has designed me for a plan and he's brought me here at this church to serve and I am going to serve in his kingdom. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just pray over these next few moments that God, as we close this time, Lord, as, as you've directed my heart, God, I just pray these, these things. Number one, Lord, I pray that not one person here will let this become an offense, that they'll understand that that you have created a love for them through me, that no matter what happens, I will still love them. But God, my desire is not to harm them, but to but to point them to you. And God, sometimes your word, it has to break apart a shell that the enemy has helped to form around our hearts and our eyes to open us up to, to maybe an attitude or a way of, of seeing your kingdom that has been wrong. And Lord, I am one of many who it's very easy for me to say, God, I've already got too much on my plate. Lord, that's for somebody else. I'm tired. I've got so much going on. But Lord, I believe with all my spirit, what I've experienced in the past is some are tired and worn out because they have made it about themselves and their kingdom and not yours. And so everything is a burden because it is all about doing it under their own strength and on their own time and their own plan. It is about the liberty they've been afforded to be in control of everything they own. And yet, God, you're saying, release it to me. Make it about my kingdom, and then I will make my kingdom about your welfare. And I will make sure you, go with, you don't go without anything. Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you seal that in our hearts, that we don't become offended, but yet we let the conviction of the Holy Spirit guide and lead us and change us. And Lord, I pray that this word will, will marinate in our hearts and will move us to action. Lord, I pray right now that there are some backbones that are stiffening, there are some eyes that are becoming steely that are focused on your kingdom. It says, I will not let anything die around me, but I will step up. Lord, I will use my talents for your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.